Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 224 for the 5th of Thomas and a leap year. So a while back, I mentioned to you guys at this light show that I saw at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. It was really amazing. I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it to anybody who is around here. I think they do it every winter. So stay tuned for that when winter comes up this year. And yeah, it was really neat. It was basically like, if, those of you that have seen the Botanical Gardens in the daytime, in regular weather, then at nighttime, it just like, due to the lighting, it took on a whole new magical feeling. Like there was movement, there were illusions, the grass looked like water, it looked like there was fire coming out in, in of the trees. It was really, really quite amazing. And all of this was done with the power of light. So I want you guys to think about this for a second and think about the people who were in charge of putting together these lights, the people who are behind the scenes, so to speak, with the lights. So maybe to make this visual a little bit more apt, maybe let's like simplify it. Let's say that we had some kind of screen that was like kind of like a stained glass window kind of screen. And let's say you had one person on in behind that stained glass window and they were shining this really bright light through the stained glass window. And and then on the other side of the stained glass win- window, you have the audience and you have, have the people seeing the light shine through the stained glass window. So what they'd be seeing are two different, different things, right? So to the, to the perceivers, to the audience, they would be seeing all these really amazing lights. Maybe they wouldn't be as amazing as what I saw at the light show at the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. I mean, maybe they would. I don't know. I don't know how sophisticated these stained glass windows could be, but it would be very pretty, right? Like you'd see like all these different various types of colors and lights and shapes and everything coming through this stained glass window. But to the person on the other side, the person who's actually shining the light, what do they see? They see light they see what they see is that they're they're shining a a white light over to the other side they don't see the reflection of and how it's coming out at the end so which is correct is the light just this white simple light or is the light very complex and colorful and all of these things so it depends what perspective you're looking at and there is room to say that on a very essential level, then the light actually is a little bit more authentic when it's in its source, right? Because it's like if you were to theoretically, I'm not really sure how you would do this, but if you could somehow take that light that that was shined through the stained glass window, and if you were to like retract it back into its source, it would no longer be colorful anymore. Like in the source of the thing, it loses its uh, its variety, its its unique 
uniqueness. It becomes nullified in its source. So if this is sounding familiar to you, then it should, because this is a big theme of Tanya that we've talked about a lot so far in this episode of this idea of, of light, specifically sunlight and the sun and how the rays of sunlight, when they're shined into the sun, they lose their independence and they become nullified in their source. And we talked about how this is a really good analogy for helping us understand God and how it is that God is truly the source of everything. So it's like the things, everything in the world, whether it's our world or other worlds, if they were to be shown back into their source, they would cease to exist. And we talked about how in order for the world to exist and in order for us to have a sense of independent existence, God needed to go through these series of, or needs to go through these series of contractions of some summit to hide his light just like the stained glass window is like this way of like hiding the light or the sun when light comes out from the sun it only is able to be shown to us be perceived by us when uh the sunlight is only it's only perceptible to us when it shines off and reflects off of objects that are not the sun and so this is a theme we've been talking about a lot but yesterday we kind of put gave ourselves a little bit of perspective with all of this and we reminded ourselves that all of this is merely an analogy. So when we talk about God and when we try to understand him by looking at the analogy of the sun, while it could be helpful to us, it's merely an analogy and we should make the mistake of thinking that God is actually like the sun because God is not actually like anything. God is very different and very unique and totally different than anything else. But so now today we're going to go back to the analogy and we're going to say that, well, okay, now that we've established that basis, now that we've established that like um, preliminary disclaimer that like we we get it, God is not the sun, God is not actually like the sun and all of that, we're going to explain why it is that we do use the analogy of the sun. And what the ultra will basically exp explain is that while it's true that this analogy of the sun is very imperfect and very different than who God really is, it's useful for us. It's for, it's for the sake of the perceivers. It's for the sake of the audience, so to speak, that we use this. Just like in, this, in the case of a stained glass window, while the true reality of the light if you want to say like, quote unquote, the true reality of the light, meaning like the source of the light is really just this like pure white light. If you had a bunch of people sign up for a light show and all they would see would be this pure light, white light, like they'd probably ask for their money back, right? So it's like in order to have a show that appeals to the audience in a way that the audience can understand and appreciate the light and appreciate the um, just how amazing this light is, you need to have this sense of something that the light is not you need to like have this illusion of the light being multifaceted and, mul and colorful and all of these things and that can really help the audience with having a relationship a semblance of the light so that's basically the idea of what we're going to be learning about today is like how God really um, speaks to his audience basically how it is that these analogies can be useful to us really for our sake, like how all of these, the ways by which God relates to the world in ter in terms of his spheres, which are his lights, as we spoke about, quote unquote, like we, we call them, we use the language of lights to refer to the spheres. These are all there for our sake, for, for us to have the ability to make sense of God on, to some extent in our minds. So let's get straight into the text and see how the ultra bit explains all of this. So we are in the middle of chapter 10 of Shari Chod And so the ultra bit begins and he says that nevertheless, so what's the nevertheless is the nevertheless is yesterday we ended off with that, how the sun is really not a perfect analogy at all. 
like, and we really were sort of bashing the analogy of the sun in the sense that like, we should really, really, he wanted to drill it into our heads that God is not like the sun. And it's, and when we talk about God being like the sun, we mean this in a very imperfect way. So now today the ultra goes on and he says, nevertheless, we use this analogy of the sun to ozen, it's called to modulate for the ear what it is, it is able to hear. So that is a that is a citation from Rashi, from Shmot from his uh, his commentary on Shmot chapter nineteen verse eighteen. If anybody wants to look that up, so this idea basically of like that we that sometimes things are written in such a way for our sake in order to make it more palatable to the human ear. And so from this analogy of sunlight, we can we can have an understanding of the attributes of God. So how? So it's like when we look at sunlight and we see how sunlight, as we've spoken about, is really unified and nullified in its source. And in its source, then we can't even call it sunlight. It's not like there's sunlight inside the sun. We just call it the sun. It's like it would be redundant to say the sun contains sunlight. It's like, no, it's just the sun. So this is the same thing when we talk about the attributes of God. And as well as his will and wisdom. So the so just to clarify that with the attributes of God, it's like in Hebrew the mitos. That's we're basically usually talking about God's uh, God's uh, emotive attributes. So 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 too, just like how it is that sunlight, when it's in the sun itself, it loses its identity, its uh, individuality. So too do God's attributes as well as God's will and wisdom are not called by any kind of names in relation to him. The only time we ever call these things by different kinds of names is in relation to created beings, whether we're talking about higher beings or lower beings, whose entire existence, vitality, and uh, and behavior is all, con- is all um, brought about by God, who's giving them existence and vitality and is conducting them. So it's like God is really behind the scenes of the entirety of creation, whether we're talking about a higher world or lower world and all of these things. It's all coming about through God, through God's will and wisdom and Bina and Das, which become enclosed in God's Midos, God's holy Midos. So just to break that down. So basically, so God, through his will and through his intellectual attributes, these then get enclosed in God's uh, midos, God's uh, emotive attributes, and these bring the world into being. And then the ultra uh, backs up the statement by bringing something, uh, by bringing a citation from, from the Midrash, which says, that the Midrash says that the world was brought about into being through, was created through these 10 things. So this is an allusion to the 10 spheres through which God brings the world into being. And then also it says in Mishle in chapter 3, verse 19 to 20, verse 20, where it says, which literally means God founded the earth with wisdom. He established the heavens with understanding. With his knowledge, the depths of the abyss were burst open. So again, it's just, it's an allusion to this idea of how it is that God uses these spheros, these attributes, in order to create the world. He uses them like tools. Just like in, again, the stained glass window analogy, it's like those pictures on the stained glass window are tools to to have the beautiful light shine through so that's really what they're there for and then also the ultra over here now uh cites 
Patech Eliyahu, who says, uh, I'm not going to read the Aramaic, I'll just translate it. And this is, for context, this is part of, if, if the Patech Eliyahu is part of the introduction to the Tikkun Zohar. And so Patech Eliyahu writes, you have brought forth 10 Tikkunim, and we call them 10 spheros. So Tikkunim is like another word for uh, garments, kind of, and we call them 10 spheros. So again, it's an allusion to the fact that these 10 spheros serve as garments through which the world will be created. And then it continues and it says, through which to direct hidden worlds unrevealed and worlds revealed. And through them, you conceal yourself. So that's the end of the section. So just to sum it up is, yeah, so basically it's like th- just this idea that when we talk about God's spheros and we were relating them, like what we've been doing so far is we've been saying spheros are to God like sunlight is to sun, right? Like if we had one of those like ratio, like comparison kind of exercises, that's what we would say. But then yesterday we were saying like, we should not get stuck on this because God is really not anything like the sun. And it's not, this is a very, very, very imperfect analogy. But then today we're bringing it back and we're bringing the analogy back and we're saying that, yes, while it's true that it's an imperfect analogy and we should not, God forbid, think that God is actually like the sun and that God's spheres are actually like sunlight. Nevertheless, this analogy is very useful to us and it was purposefully useful to us because this is how we perceive things. This is our perspective. And so, Keeping in mind that this is our perspective, we can understand how this is a very useful perspective because this perspective is what's, what allows us to experience creation, to not lose our sense of self and for there to be created beings and for the entire world and all of the worlds to exist. Just like, again, I'm going to go back to my my analogy in the introduction, um, the stained glass window, there needs, there on the one hand, there needs to be an awareness that like that stained glass window is not the actual source of the light, that it's like, there, you know, that would, that would be silly to think that the light is essentially colorful, but nevertheless, we do perceive different colors in that light due to the stained glass window. And that's our perspective. Our perspective is these various colors and shapes and, um, and designs in the light. So that's it for today. And tomorrow we will continue and we'll conclude chapter 10. And I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow. And until then, have a great day.